Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I am here with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hello, Guthrie. And uh, today we have a topic um, that's called Humans Calculate by Feel. Uh, how are you doing today, Susan? I'm good. I'm calculating by you're, feel. You're calculating? That's good. Uh, this topic <laughs> is a topic uh, that's coming off. I have a whole behavioral economics certificate uh, that I put that together. That you've been working really hard on. Recently. You know, just that pandemic uh pandemic life work so sure and one of the sections one of the courses is entitled humans calculate by feel so uh as a just a little promo for um for the course which will be hopefully uh within the month of um march uh everyone will be able to purchase it at courses.theteamdo.com we're in the month of march you know Yes, yes. You mean before the month is over? Before the month is over. So we're going to uh, see if you hit that deadline. Uh, what, else, what are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll get to work on I'm it. I'm very busy, Guthrie. You're very, very busy. busy today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, all the videos are recorded and exported. So yeah, and uploaded. And uploaded. So um, you're you're at finishing touches phase. I know yeah, that. yeah. I just have that. to just have to make some and quizzes you, and, and some you exercises. Said, so you said been. course, but this is actually how many courses are in this certificate? So, so there are there's a fundamentals. There are yeah. six courses and then one optional course. Um, oh. The I guess I should just mention. So the six courses are obviously humans calculate by feel part one and two. Uh, it's a very big section, so it gets split in half. There's social interactions and pressure, fear of loss, uh, the behavioral design model, and nudges, coercions, uh, mandates, and manipulations. And my guess is we're going to talk about a lot of these over the next couple episodes, I bet. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. It's It's a tremendous amount of information. Um, And I know this one, humans calculate by feel. Well, I don't know. It's like which which of your children do you love the most? Like you, you love you like all these topics, but this one seems to be especially. If I had to important. rate them, yeah, uh, just in terms of what was my favorite, probably the nudges one, but only because I did that one most recently. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, probably humans calculate my feel. Yeah. Um, then probably. Fear of loss, yeah. Social relations and pressure, BDM, and then fundamentals. So that's my that's my ranking. Not yeah, that it matters to or anyone. Not that it matters to anyone except any you and maybe me. So when you say humans calculate by feel, mm-hmm. what what does that mean? Well, uh, you know. One of the big parts of behavioral economics, I suppose I should we should quickly define what that is. There's behavioral science, which is this big, broad, I don't know, avenue of information and research and knowledge and thoughts and academia and all this stuff about uh, behavior, human behavior, human psychology, uh, human psychology, human decision making and human reactions in certain situations. So there's that whole umbrella thing. And within that, there are a bunch of different little islands and Venn diagrams. And, you know, so it, it is sort of all kind of the same thing, um, which is 
uh, studying humans in some why, way. Why we do what we do. Thank you. Um, but there, there is, you know, but within that, uh, the way we like to at least break it down is there's, uh, human psychology, behavioral psychology. That's my field. Yeah. So behavioral psychology, do you want to define behavioral psychology? Well, you know, the psychology piece of behavioral science, I think of as and this is kind of our definition. I don't know if the rest of the world agrees yeah, with this. Yeah, no, I, I, said, I already get it. I, get it. I kind of think of it as what do we know about humans that are pretty basic to all humans, no matter what's going on or you know where they are or the context and so on. So it's based on you know their basic biology and what's going on in the brain and and so on. And that's that's what I consider the behavioral psychology part of this big world called behavioral behavioral science and that's the part that i kind of have a background and specialize in right uh so the behavioral economics part is okay um what do we know about is it's variable dependent so what do we know about this particular person given their particular set of circumstances and when we put them in this particular decision um, can we learn anything about, or predict what decisions and behavior that people will sort of take? Uh, or or what, what can we learn from thinking about the world in this sort of variable-centric way? So it's a lot more um, dependent on context and particular situation and the particular person. Uh, yes, and there is a academic ivory tower aspect to all of this um, because behavioral psychology while studying kind of the same stuff does come from the academic background of psychology. So when you read those types of papers, you know, they're doing MRIs and they're, they're, uh, it's, 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 they're, they're written, um, like psychology papers, they're published in psychology journals very often. There is sort of, it comes from that sort of ba academic background, the behavioral economics, um, comes from the academic background. And of course, Behavioral science in general, I think, actually does lean economics because Kahneman and Tversky were economists. So when you read their papers, I mean, there's a lot of economic modeling. There's a lot of variables and Greek letters that don't make any you, sense. You, you guys have more math than we it's do. A lot, yeah, it's a lot of math and a lot of modeling, and that's great. Um, but so, there's also a lot of overlap. Well, they're studying kind of the same topics and ideas. But yes, um, certainly there is a lot of overlap. So... Within that overlap, you know, I I kind of, uh, I read hundreds and hundreds of the actual research papers and summarized sort of the cool parts. And then I organized those parts into broad categories. And one of the categories, one of the big categories uh, that I found was this idea that humans calculate by feel. So the, the first part I should probably start with is just talking about um, what are the other options you mean if you don't if you don't calculate if you don't feel, subscribe to the idea that humans calculate by feel, then what are you, what are you saying? Yeah, and by calculate, I don't mean like what's literally two plus calculate. two. Literally calculate, but when humans are doing sort of valuations, um, so for example, if we're at a grocery store, and I say, do you want, you know, raisin brand or Cheerios? Okay, which one do you want? Well, 
you something somewhere somehow has to make some sort of valuation based logical decision uh, given all the variables in the entire world and where you're at and what you're hungry and what you got last time and it's a, this whole complicated thing for you to decide you have to pick one or the other like which one do you pick um, and that's true with most decisions we make every single day uh, you're at you know you're at a sandwich shop which sandwich do you order now you uh, and I could argue about whether the answer is going to be well they're not going to calculate by anything they're just going to do a habit response well how do they how do they determine uh, how do they well maybe maybe um, but but how can you the researcher uh, determine what someone is going to buy. And you could say habit response. When was the last time you do you o always order the exact same thing every time you go to a restaurant? Of course not. Guthrie, it's been so long since I've been to a oh. restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember. Oh God. I you know I don't know I I just most people do order different stuff. They mix it up. It's 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 unpredictable. Well, I don't the, know. We could. Uh, he's like, I can't uh, believe she's gonna give me a hard time about this look, this early in the podcast. Look, but look. I, wait a minute. But this is an example, possibly, of the difference between a psychology view versus a behavioral economics view. But we do digress. Go ahead. If, if people, if I'm not hold on, hold on. By, Explain what? this then. <laughs> if people only calculate by habit. Then why does anyone try anything new? Well, first of all, I'm not saying people only calculate by habit. I'm saying sometimes some decisions are habitual. Okay, I will accept that. And I unconscious. Agree with that. And sometimes they're they're deliberate and conscious. Now so, I should say that just because you're make you're calculating, you're making uh, value. So in econ, you'd sort of you know make like a valuation of different options okay yeah. that that an economist could measure in their economic model so that's why i use the word to sort of calculate but okay. i'm not saying that that's that's a conscious decision okay so this calculation you're talking about we're not first wrong of all, we're just talking about it it's not a necessarily a literal calculation with numbers well let's and let's secondly it might not be conscious but i interrupted you because you were trying to explain if you didn't calculate by feel according yeah. to a behavioral economics point of view yeah you might be calculating in what way yeah so originally back in the 50s when economics really started getting going before that there was a lot of you know economic philosophy stuff but when you really started to get to the math and the modeling in the 50s it turns out the world is really really complicated and humans are even more complicated so to, to have like this like to have like a model especially when you're trying to map any sort of behavior human behavior and make predictions about economies and markets it's really complicated and so uh, you need you need some solid ground you just need some solid ground so to have the solid ground um, there was these things there was the savage axioms that then turned into basically the, the rational actor model um, and and the, the rational actor model is is pretty is pretty simple. Uh, you have to represent a human mathematically, and you have to have something be true 
uh, and this is a little inside baseball, um, you have to have a home base somewhere so that you can uh, <laughs> uh, make your mathematical formulas work. So for example, most of the math in econ, when you just talk about macroeconomics, it's so important that supply equals demand because then you can set supply equal to zero and demand equal to zero so that you can run much more simple, the, the, the mathematical formulas and calculations and when you're actually trying to learn stuff from the math, it becomes a lot easier. If it was all variables, things get very difficult very fast. You do need a home base. So that that is to say, um, that there's this rational actor model, and that's simple enough. Um, all it's all it says is that uh, basically people um, make rational decisions that are in their best interest. Give us an example. Uh, I offer you either five dollars or ten dollars. You have to pick one. There are no strings attached. Which do you pick? Ten dollars. Why? Because it's the rational much as five dollars. Well, the, the the, the rational actor model would say people are rational 10 is more than five the uh, you know that that's you know they're picking they're making the decision that's in their best interest and that um, that's sort of the rational actor model uh, you well hold on uh, you can then expand that into sort of the utility calculation model which is basically okay you take that exact thing, and then have like a computer program run and calculate the expected utility of the decision. So $10 is worth 10, right? $5 is worth five, and 10 is twice as much as five. Or if I offer you an apple or an orange, right? You can run the utility and say, okay, I get three utility from an orange and two utility from an apple, and therefore I will pick the orange because it's more utility. Does that sort of make sense? Kind of, but this is kind of why I'm not an economist. Well, one of the things here is that, um, it, 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 yeah, I like to talk about, you know, the death of that rational actor model. Uh, there's just so much academic evidence that this is, it just doesn't hold up. I like to think of it as Newtonian physics. So, like, most of the time, it makes sense. You know, it works out. Like, when I'm uh, when I'm dropping apples from trees, when I say, would you like $5 or $10? The, the person is going to make the, what a computer program or, you know, someone observing would say is the rational decision most of the time. Um, but, but it's definitely not all of the time. And there's, you know, a huge, uh, body of academic research basically where, Time after time after time after time, people do not make choices in their best interest. People make strange choices. There's cognitive biases. Um, the, the whole thing is, is, is just strange. And I guess technically you could say, well, they're still rational. I mean, you know, Ariely, of course, wrote the book Predictably Irrational. So it's like you're st it's still the rational actor, but what even is rational? And now you're just you're in a knot. And it's not, it's just not, it's like um, the analogy of a human brain is like a computer, right? And like the brain is the CPU and the, you know, the whatever, the memory is the RAM. And it's like, well, I, I guess that kind of works as an analogy, but it's actually, if you start thinking about the brain as, literally as a computer, that's actually a really 
bad way to conceptualize it. And in the same way, thinking about human decision-making as some sort of rational actor is a terrible way to, because it's not actually what's going on. Yes. Okay, so then you think a different model uh-huh. that perhaps explains behavior better mm-hmm. is the humans calculate by feel yeah. idea? Yeah, I, I call it the human feel model. Okay, um, and the, we can talk about all the research that is why the rational actor model is stupid and just is not true. Um, and I'm happy to happy to go through 50 studies. Uh, no, that's all right. <laughs> you don't have to do that today. I, I have here in my notes simple explanation. Colon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to work off of that. Is that what we just had was the simple explanation? No, no. Oh. The simple explanation is that, and, you know, you're you're the behavioral, you, you know how the brain works even more than I do, though neither of us are neuroscientists. That's true. Um, the simple explanation is that when we're faced with a decision, we we first try to see if there is one option that feels right. Okay. And then see if there's other options that feel right. Okay. And if there are no other options that feel right, we go with the option that feels right. So how do you define feels right? Well, I offer you $5 or $10. Yeah. Would you rather have $5 or $10? $10. Does it feel right to make that decision? Yes. Good. What if I'm trying to make a decision and neither one feels right? Or well, hold, one on, doesn't... Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, so that, that, is, that is sort of the basic premise, is that you're actually just making the decision that feels right. But we're, humans are very amazing, complicated, sophisticated creatures. Usually... What feels right is also the rational choice. But not always. But not always. Um, so let's say I, uh, I wh- what's your, what's your, do you have a favorite dessert these days? Well, you know, I'm, I'm on a ketogenic food thing, which I means I don't eat dessert. Do you have uh, a treat that you, what, some, some food that's a, that's a treat for you? Yes. Would you like to elucidate that for uh, us? What would be a food? Just broccoli? Brie. Brie. Okay. Okay. Cheese. Brie, brie cheese. cheese. Brie I love brie cheese. Great. So so um, I say, would you rather eat this slice of brie or this raw onion? Uh, the brie. <laughs> okay. Um, now, what's, you know, where's the rational actor in that? Brie tastes better than a raw onion. Yeah. So, like, you could do all the convoluted steps and be like, well, I get more utility from things that taste good. Uh, but, you know... There's, you know, I get more nutrients or whatever from the vegetable and the fiber, but that yeah, tastes Yeah, some people bad. would say the brie has too much fat. Fat, so, you know, 
it's it, that's just that is not how we're making decisions. You like the brie. You there are there's no other decision that feels good. You go with the decision that feels good. Okay. It's not in some ways it's actually very intuitive and it's actually not that complicated because we all understand that feeling. Okay, so then what happens then if there are uh, multiple decisions that feel right? Like what's like what's your second favorite kind of cheese? Let kind of cheese or second yes, favorite cheese, treat? Cheese. cheese. Mm, second or a favorite. favorite cheese. You don't have to think too hard about it. Havarti. Okay, I like right? Havarti. So I offer you brie and Havarti and an onion. Mm. And you're like, well, mm. I just had brie. I haven't had Havarti in a while. So, okay, so neither so you're, neither of them feel right. So uh, so then then what, or the inverse, I offer you two things you that neither feel right. Okay? The next step after after you don't if you don't only have one is yeah. you widen your perspective you take in other variables um you look at the problem in a different light like so such ex- as what such as oh i and this can happen by the way these things happen many times a second this happens very 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 very, very quickly these sort of feelings okay. Okay. Um, so we're, 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 we're breezing through stuff. So, uh, when was the last time I had Brie? Did I have it uh, five minutes ago? Am I sick? Am I sick of it? Have I not had Havarti in a while? That's like one thing to consider. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, okay. Now I still, I still don't, I still don't have a, I still don't feel right for one of the choices. What is the exact type of Brie or Havarti? Is it, what if it's my favorite mm, brand true. of Havarti? Right, because there's and some brands like, oh, of brie my God, I, I really love don't that. like. And now I feel right about the Havarti. Yeah. So so that's that's the basic step. You you just try, you, 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 the, people only want one decision that feels right. And as soon as they, if they don't have something that feels right, they will take in more information, more variables, consider more stuff. And then reframe it in that light and then see if it feels right. And they'll just keep doing it until they get one that feels right. And then they go with that decision. All right, I have some questions for you. Yeah. Why do you think it's helpful to know this about people or to to think about decisions this way? Sure. Well, um, again, like I said, if, if all you're trying to do is calculate an apple falling from a tree, simple Newtonian physics is fine. But if you're actually trying to understand human behavior, trying to investigate some of the more complicated things that happen, um, so for example, uh, uh, the you know black holes or relativity and quantum mechanics, you, then then Newtonian physics just doesn't work. It's not sophisticated enough, and you'll you'll come to the wrong option. So let me just give you a couple, a couple, uh, a couple situations in which these things matter, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, if you're doing anything in markets and you're trying to predict market behavior, you, you gotta think like this or you're gonna be surprised. Your predictions about what's gonna happen is just gonna be incorrect. Get, what, what do you mean about market? Give an example of market behavior. So there's a study, hold on, I'm gonna go to my bag of tricks here. Um, 
So, uh, there's a paper by Kammerer, Babcock, Lowenstein, and Thaler, 1997, called Labor Supply of New York City Cab Drivers One Day at a Time. Um, there, do you remember, remember back when people used to drive yellow cabs? Before yes. every, Some everything, was still a, do. everything was an automatic uh, car that drives itself for our future listeners. Um, <laughs> people would drive cars. They uh, still do. Um, you mean s- cabs before there were it, Ubers and stuff? Or yeah, just... no, honestly, it's the exact same thing. Um, okay. okay, so... There are sometimes, you know, surge pricing. There are some route. There are sometimes when you can make a lot of money as a cabbie. Times things are busy. Lots of people to pick up. Okay. Yeah, it's raining. Yes, and there are sometimes when things are slow. Right. So if you're you're a rational cab driver, okay. Yeah. And your goal is to maximize. You're just saying I'm trying to maximize money. I want to make as much money as I can. Correct. So when do you work more? When when, uh, wages are high, right? Lots of people needing cab rides. Or when wages are low? When wages are high. Okay. And this study found the exact opposite. When wages were high, cab drivers drove less. And where wages were low, cab drivers drove more. So explain that with the rational actor model. Okay, well, I'm not going to (laughs) try. I give up. What was really happening was that, um, the theory is, is that cab drivers have a set amount in their heads of how much money they need to make in a day. So it's like, I got to make a hundred bucks today to support my family. And so... When wages are high, they hit their hundred bucks fast, and then they go home. And when wages are low, they're like they keep grinding it out because they gotta get to their the amount that they set. So, they're sort of basing their um, how much they work on what feels right. Do they feel like they've done a full day of work or not? And that is determining how long or how not long they're working. So you're saying that, are you saying that if you're trying to either explain behavior that's going on or predict behavior that might happen in the future, uh, analyzing this idea of the calculating by feel will give you a more accurate picture? Yes, yes. But much in the same way that, like, if you think, if you... If you think about the brain as a computer and then try to, you know, you do brain surgery, it's a terror, you know, it's, that's just not like, it's not how the brain works. Yeah. It's just not, um, it's biology, it's messy, it's complicated. And to, to think of people as walking around as like little calculators, calculating every little decision and then just picking whatever the better decision is, that, that is just... It's just incorrect more than anything. So can can I take us off on a tangent? Yeah, sure. Do whatever you so, want. It's your podcast. No, it's your podcast. No, it's your it's your podcast. No, it's your podcast. You're the host. <laughs> You're the one that opens it up and gives the little spiel at the beginning. Okay. So here's here's my question for you. Um 
And if you thought about it, you probably could see this coming. But do you think, you know, I always want to talk about the things we're talking about and what is the relationship to technology, you know, because that's what we're supposed to be doing on the podcast. So do you, do you think this is kind of one area where people go wrong when they are trying to, you know, automate human behavior by applying a technology solution? You know, like we're going to, we're going to create an app and help taxi drivers figure out, you know, how much they should work today or what routes they should sign up for or something like that. And then they assume when they're developing this technology that people will be not calculating by feel, but, you know, being rational actors. And so they make assumptions about the decisions people make or what the kinds of information people want to see in the app based on, uh, and their and their assumptions are going to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, yes, times like a thousand. We had a client that just assumed that their workers wanted to make more money. And that was why they were working. And if they did things that would get the workers more money, the workers would do those things. Uh, because yeah, I, I, I know who you're talking about. People I'm are rational and workers want more money. And that's that's why they go to work, is to make more money. And it's like, no, no. And they had they created this app that would help them track and make more money. And then we're and surprised when some people were using it and some people were not. Um, the, and the some thing, people were doing the behavior that made them more money and some were not. So, you know, yeah, like like people go to work to make money, but they don't necessarily go to work to maximize money. It depends what that means, you know? It's what feels right. Sure, I'm going to make more money if it's easy for me to make more money. And in I don't have particular to... In this particular case, that was true. No, well, for some people it was, and for some people yeah. it was difficult. It required them doing things they were not comfortable with, things they didn't feel good about doing. Mm. And, you know, and so, yeah, like I say, if it's $5 versus $10, and it's very simple, you know, if I have some sort of, think of a loyalty re reward program, okay? Where mm -hmm. literally I'm doing the exact same behavior, but it's like, it's like every morning I go to this coffee shop and I order the same cup of coffee. And now there's a reward program and it's tied to my credit card. And I literally don't have to do anything. And I now I just get my every 10th cup free, right? I'm gonna do that. That's awesome, that's great, you know? That's, you know, and you can say, well, it's a rational actor, I'm doing it because I'm getting free coffee. But if I have to like do all this stuff and I have to change, like changing my habits, changing my interactions with people, changing my behavior, that doesn't feel good. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it, even if I'm getting, you know, free coffee that I want. Um, so it's just, you know, it gets, it gets messy, it gets complicated. And, uh, you know, I, I, to, to think about, I think it helps explain when people, when uh, companies and products and stuff are surprised by human behavior. Like if you tried to implement a solution and it didn't work, this, um, this might be one of the reasons why. 
think about, well, if humans calculate by feel, what have you missed? What are you missing? And so, for example, in the example uh, in the in the client we talked about earlier, what they were missing was teamwork, and they were missing that actually a huge motivator of people. The people, you know, when they are at work, they're not there to make money; they're there to like help their team. They like the interactions that they have with their clients and the other people they work with is actually a very very important part of their job. Well, and that that and yeah, interesting because in that particular situation, the other complication that was making the team be more important than the money was that these were people who didn't like the job itself. They liked the company, they liked the people. They didn't like the particular tasks that they were doing very much. They didn't, they really didn't like the tasks they would need to do in order to use the app and make more money. They really didn't like those. And they cared more about, as you said, these the people and the team interactions than they did about, you know, making these this this extra money and also you know what we found out when we did the research with them was that they didn't plan to be doing this particular job for very long so it just wasn't that important to them to try and maximize and make the most money and compete against their friends let me give you a, another thought experiment about why the rational actor model doesn't make any sense. Okay. Explain to me yeah. why your decisions will completely change, completely change, when you go to a grocery store either hungry or after you've just eaten a meal. Like, if you go to a grocery store hungry, you will buy all sorts of stuff you would never normally buy. You'll buy huge quantities of food. It'll be totally different. Your your behavior and actions will be totally different. You're the same person. You're just hungry versus not hungry. And how is, is that explained by you making rational decisions? Okay. All right. That's a good example. Yeah. Being hungry uh, affects how I feel about the food I'm looking at, right? That's that's kind of what you're saying. And uh, some food looks more interesting because I'm hungry, and it might look less interesting if I'm not hungry. Let me give you another study or another uh, explanation that doesn't make any sense. If there's okay. rational actors, explain the ownership bias. So the ownership bias is this idea that if you own something, it's worth more to you than uh, to other people. So what if you have a, a, a desk that's been handed down from your grandfather to you? And, and I say, I'll buy this desk for you for $10, which is the market value. It's like an old crappy desk. And you wouldn't sell that desk for $100 because it was made by your grandpa. Yeah. Explain that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right. But has... if you say I'm, 
making my valuations just based on feeling. How do I, f I feel like the desk is valuable because it's valuable to me. Yeah. You know? And again, yeah, you could do the utilitarian thing and come up with a price solicitation based because it's worth, to me, it's worth a lot. And so I can turn that utility of the feelings of my grandpa into money and then can compare that to the market value. It's that, but that's just like such a convoluted, like, doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then, and then I'll, how about one more? Okay. When people estimate the calories that are in a meal, for example. Yeah. Um, if they think it's, quote, healthy, unquote, and I, it doesn't really matter what that means, they'll, they'll estimate that it has less calories. So you mean just if I think this is a healthy meal, for whatever reason I think that? Yeah, exactly. I'll say, oh, that has, that has fewer calories. Um, and in some research by, uh, uh, where'd it go? Chandon and Wansink, the biasing health halos of fast food restaurant health claims, lower calorie estimates and higher side dish consumption intentions. Um, very long study name. Uh, people were off by like 50% and they were not even. Oh, that much? Oh, they were not even close to guessing the, the correct, uh, the correct amount of calories because they just in a thought meal. it was healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what they what they ended up doing, the researchers found, was if people who eat healthy, who are eating like healthy meals, yeah, they were estimating that they were eating fewer calories, and so they were buying more side dishes and more desserts because they thought that they could that they needed a little bit more. Because their main course had so or they, few calories. Or they thought they could have more because their main Either course. Either one, right. And so they ended up eating 56% more calories than the people. Because they, they would have people eat at a healthy restaurant and order a meal and then eat at it. And then the, the, the other um, group would eat at an unhealthy restaurant. I'm doing a lot of air quotes here. Um, but they would both order a meal that had like 650 calories. So they were getting the exact same number of calories, but then as their main sort of dish. But then the people who were at the healthy restaurant would then, of course, buy more sides, um, etc., or you know, upsize the the thing, get other stuff. So they ended up eating like, I mean, at least in the study, I don't, you know, I don't know how much it is really, but at least in the study, fifty six percent more calories if you if they ate at the healthy restaurant. So I, that's the, that's sort of interesting. Um, and that's of course again people are making valuations they're they're calculating the number of calories in food that they make based on how they feel about it so you're saying that if i go to a restaurant so that restaurants that have you know like they'll show you on the menu which are the healthy choices well, yeah, if they say how many calories are in something, then obviously No, they that's... just say heart healthy or they or they describe it in a way that makes mm. it sound healthy. No, no, it has nothing to do with how the restaurants describing it. It's how the the it, so everything in behavioral economics is user centered. It's all from the eyes of the person from the user. So does okay. this person think like I go to a steakhouse and I've ordered a salad because the salad is healthy and I think salads are healthy. I'm just saying 
do you think that restaurants know this and do they therefore try and have healthy choices because they think if they have healthy choices people will spend more money because they'll order more sides uh, there, you might be putting the cart before the horse. Uh, restaurants are pretty savvy. Usually, it's a pretty competitive environment. They just, they, they may notice that for whatever reason, uh, you know, their margins are better when they have healthy, oh. low calorie okay. options. So they may the, not. For them, it may have just been a whole bunch of A B testing. Sure. Not based on uh, bringing in the behavioral or, economist or uh, consultant. Yeah, or they're, they're, you know, two lefts make a right. So they're like, hey, uh, I want uh, the type of people who eat healthy to eat at a restaurant. And if we, you know, reach out to them, they are richer clientele. And oh. then our margins will go up because they're richer and we're getting richer people in our restaurant that we want at a restaurant. This really and, and, yeah. and so then they're stumbling into, you know, so so the data is proving them correct. They're wrong about why it's happening, but you know they're you know they're they're sort of doing it anyways. They're kind of running into the to the right, like uh, you know, uh, grocery stores putting milk in the back, so that you have to wa wander through the store. Um, uh, maybe that's all like evil genius, you know, cropped up in a lab, or maybe. It just kind of turned out that way because they looked at their margins and they realized they were going up. I, I don't know. So this might be one reason why, because we, we see this a lot with, with our clients. You know, They bring us in and they say things like, well, we tried this, this tactic or whatever, because this is what we thought, you know, or, or they'll they'll find out that some effect is happening, and then they'll come up with why they think that effect is happening, and then they take that reason and try to apply it again or apply it in another part of the business, and it doesn't work. And then they call us and say, "Why isn't this working?" Yeah, I, and in just just in general, things are really, really, really complicated, and it's sometimes it's it's not. It's not very simple. Um, P uh, that people don't like it when it's complicated. They want a they want an easy answer. Well, this is why I made. Thank you for that lovely segue. This is why <laughs> I made the behavioral econ. Um, I I did mean to give you a, a a lovely segue. Uh, unlike the stuff you talk about, like the psychology, yeah. a lot of the, the psychology stuff is really intuitive. You know, like. Like if I like if you show you know so, something that's you know a different it color isn't from everything all else. Intuitive. But there's a lot of stuff that is where you can be like, oh yeah, like when something pops out of the screen, I do look at it, and that makes sense. Or like, yeah, I recognize faces so fast. Oh, it's because of the FFA. Like there is there is sort of like a I understand it because I'm a human sort of thing. Um, and the added complexity of well. Uh, what is the person doing? What's the situation they're in? How did, how are they feeling? What's like the circumstances of the day and uh, what they're, you know, what, what, who they are as a person. It's just, it's just makes things complicated. Um, and so a lot of this stuff is really cool, but I just don't think it's out there. 
because right, it's a well, lot a easier to. So it's if hard it's to so okay, okay, but if it's so complicated, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah, if, sure. If it's so complicated and not necessarily intuitive, can it be practical? Like, why would I take this course and learn about this? Yeah. Can it be practical, or is yeah, it just of kind of fun practical. to know? No, no, it, it can definitely be practical. I mean, the the thing is, it's it's. I mean, I don't know why is it practical to know that humans look at faces fast. Well, because then you know if you, uh, not not just faces, but you know if you use certain kinds of images of faces, of certain kinds of people. And well, yeah. So you, size and okay. Well, I work in accounting. Direction. So why do I care about any of this? Well, you, you don't have to if you work in accounting. Well, that's the thing, right? You it, like if it's if it's if if you're working in those specific circumstances, it's very useful. And a lot of this stuff, I think, is pretty useful for though. Like I like I said, we just talked about restaurants, uh, the, the sunk costs. So people who are uh, the ownership bias. If you're in any sort of like furniture you know the whole thing about ikea and furniture sales and building it yourself um any kind of marketplace where you're selling uh you know secondhand goods uh i mean this all these valuations are really important hot cold effects uh like like crafting uh responses to reduce uh sexual harassment like understanding how hot hot cold states work is very useful i, mean, I don't know it's there's there's a lot of stuff there's but, just tons and tons of stuff. But you're saying it does, because it is based on context, then. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Do you think that, hmm, it seems to me that. Nudges have become very popular. That some of these things we're talking about in behavioral economics are pretty broad and would apply across a lot of situations. Do you think that. The psychology stuff that I deal with is more broad and applies in more situations. And because the behavioral econ stuff you teach about is more context and situation dependent, then it, it, each particular idea may not be as broadly applicable as the no. behavioral psychology? No, it's, it's all behavioral science. Some of the stuff is broad and some of it's very specific. What's what all I, I think? What all I think is that most of the behavioral econ stuff is just a little more complicated to understand the mechanisms mm. at play because there's always one more lever. There's like a variable mm. that doesn't maybe exist with behavioral psychology. There's always mm. the extra that the one extra step that makes it just a little mm -hmm. bit harder. Um, that's that's all I'm saying. But yeah, there's some stuff like that is very broad and there's some stuff that's very specific uh there's you know there's papers about home is home selling that would be very important if you're a realtor but otherwise otherwise i you know i don't know exactly what mm. it, it would apply to you um all right i have another question for you uh -huh. so who who are the types of people who's your target audience know. I haven't finished the sent the question. I know what you're going to say. Well, you need to know this. Who are the types of people that you do you, you think would be most interested in? I have an the, idea. The behavioral econ courses. I have an idea, but this is my first this is my first foray really into having actual training. 
So, you know, how, how do I how do I really exactly Because know? Mo- most of the courses that we have are mainly taught by me. This is a series of courses taught by you. Uh, so you're saying uh, you, you haven't done the, the market research to tell you exactly who your target audience is. I, again, I have an idea, but I haven't All validated it. Right, well, what's your idea? idea? Well, one. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the same UX puddle stuff of the behavioral psychology people are going to be interested in. I mean, nudges are becoming very popular. Yeah. And if you're interested in nudges, you have to be interested in behavioral economics. It's literally like Richard Thaler, who wrote the book Nudge. He's an economist. Yeah. Economist. One of us. <laughs> one of you. One, one of us. One of us. Um, so you're saying people who are interested in... Nudges. Nudges. So that could in, that would, that's going to include marketing folks. Yeah, design people who design stuff. UX researchers, mm-hmm. not necessarily UX designers, but uh, people who are doing UX research. They tend to be pretty econy, pretty analytical. I've heard had a number of um, UX research types kind of come up to me and say, "Oh my God, I love behavioral economics is so cool!" Like, you know, I, I love your podcast, blah blah blah. Um, which is which you know people who are doing like UX design, doing you know I don't know. Uh, menu page flows or whatever what do you guys do oh come on (laughs) oh my god all right all of the ux designers listening revolt podcast prove him wrong revolt uh no um so so there will be ux researcher is a job title uh there obviously people there are some people in ux who are more interested in the visual side of things some who are more interested in the UX research side of things. I don't yeah. think those are mutually yeah. So yeah. So if you're if you're interested in UX research topics, I am going to guess you're also interested in nudges, and this will be very applicable mm-hmm. to you. I already mentioned okay. the marketing side. Um, I, I think I think uh, I think a lot of businessy side stuff. So like project managers, product uh, managers, pro- product managers. Um, yeah. That I think I can I could totally see them being uh, a little more into it. Um, just because it is a little more, it is a little more math based, ever so slightly. And so, if you're doing modeling and A/B testing, and um, you might like it, some of that. Yeah, that that kind of like. Although we do have to say, you say over and over in this course. Yeah, there is no math. There is no math they have to do in order to understand what's going on. There is no math they have to understand. Okay, there, I just wanted to make that clear. Mathless. Yes, I would Although like you to... had to be able to calculate the ten dollars versus the five dollars. No, you do it by feel. No math required. <laughs> All right. Well, Guthrie, um, yeah, this is interesting. You said there's actually a part one and a part two. There's actually kind of two courses in the whole in all the courses that are about humans calculate by feel. Yeah, right? I had such a I had such a breath of research there that I that I had to split it up into uh, part one part two okay and um, I'm hoping that you know we could do some more podcast episodes where maybe we talk about some of the other courses but right now if you're listening to this as soon as this gets published probably these courses are not yet available but the fundamentals will be 
Oh, it will be as soon yeah. as people are listening to this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, and the fundamentals, um, is that free? Yes, totally, totally, absolutely totally free. free. So It was really hard for me to keep it tight, 35 minutes. You're in, you're the, out. The fundamentals, because it's mm -hmm. a short course. It's a short course. So if you're interested in these kinds of topics, definitely people should check out the fundamentals and then uh, the rest that'll, of the That'll course. be on courses.theteamthere.com and we'll put it on YouTube as well. And and then uh, if you're, and then from there, you'll get a good feeling for what feel, do you see, feeling for what's in the rest of the courses and then you can decide uh, whether you're interested in the rest of them, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. All right, Guthrie. Well, thanks for sharing this. And you made me think about some stuff. And, you know, I think I'm going to go order some brie because I'm out. Oh, how could you be out of brie? I have Havarti, but I'm actually out of brie. That seems impossible. So, uh, I, I know you order it by the kilo. <laughs> I was just trying to decide uh, this morning how much brie should I order on this next order. I do tend to order large quantities at a time because I can't always get the really good stuff. So I have to think ahead. Yeah, central Wisconsin. Central Wisconsin during has, the has pandemic. Has cheese, but not really brie. Central Wisconsin has a lot of cheese, but... There's honestly, French there's only cheese. one place within <laughs> probably 50 miles that has the good quality brie that I'm interested in. That yeah. That's how fussy I am. Lots of good cheddar. Lots of good of cheese, but if we're talking soft brie, French cheeses, yeah, yeah not not exactly the Wisconsin no, specialty. Not a Wisconsin thing. Guthrie, thanks. If if any brie companies would like to sponsor the show, that would be great. They can email info at theteamw.com. And if you want to talk to us about anything else, that's the same email address <laughs> to use. All right, Guthrie, thanks. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye.